Engineering management can be a lonely place. Welcome to Managers Club, where you'll find interviews with top engineering leaders and managers to help and inspire you. Listen to the real life stories of successful and ambitious engineering leaders who are focused to lead their teams to bigger and better outcomes. This is Managers Club. Well, thanks. Good morning, Juan Pablo. Thank you so much for uh, speaking to me today. Um, morning, Bill. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Um, could you maybe start, maybe tell people a little about your current role and where you're located? Sure. So I live in New York City. I, I moved here from Colombia a while ago, about 10 years ago. Um, I'm currently the VP of engineering at a company called Splice which we like to say we're a music company with a technology team. Uh, we build tools, software, and services for musicians and music producers. All right. I, I know you have a little bit of an unusual background. Could you share with people your background and how you got into management? Sure. <laughs> yes, it is. It is more unusual than, than, than it tends to be. Um, so I do not have any formal computer science training. Um, other than when I got my computer at 13 and started discovering the free game books and the hacking books and the rainbow books and just playing around with those things. Um, but I, I pursued a career uh, in, in pharmacy and pharmaceutical chemistry. Um, and when I was, I think I was 20, what, 23, I moved to the States um, to finish my, my degree in, in pharmacy. Uh, it was... It was around the time where the economy um, went crashing, so um, I I started. Well, I had to I had to make a living, so I, I had dabbled in the culinary arts. I, I have a diploma in world cuisine, and I went I went back to the kitchen. Um, I worked. The, I, I led the the kitchen for an Italian restaurant with about fifteen people. Um, at, in Fort Lauderdale for a while until the real estate crisis also crashed us, and then had to had to find a way a, a way to to pay rent. So I ended up making websites uh, for people. I had I had already built a couple of MySpace pages and dabbled in HTML and CSS because uh, I had a, a band back home. So this allowed me to start paying the bills, and and I discovered there was a a tech industry. I joined a startup in Miami, which was my first startup experience. It was a long distance startup. Uh, long distance. We, we offered free long distance in exchange of hearing ads, and it was uh, tailored towards uh, Latin American immigrants mostly. Um, Got it. From there, yeah. From, from there, I uh, discovered an, an actual industry and, and realized that Florida wasn't necessarily a, a center for technology. So I, I moved to New York. Um, since then, I've worked for a comic startup, for a advertising and publishing startup, for a ride-sharing startup, and lately, uh, a music startup. Um, in, in addition to that, around halfway through through my, um, my tech career, I kept bumping into leadership positions without really wanting them. I, as being someone who, who liked to be in the back of the house, the kitchens, I really didn't. I like to say I didn't like people, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't the case. I I, I wasn't seeking to be in charge, uh, but I kept 
run, running into those those opportunities. So um, I think when I was at, at Onsite, which was this publishing startup, I I embraced leadership. I said like, okay, I, I keep finding myself here. Um, if if, if th- this may mean something, so if I'm going to take these roles, I have I have to learn about it. Um, and that's when I switched careers and and, and took uh, my management position as a like I, I saw myself as a junior manager and and started trying to, to see who who I could learn from and how how I could learn from the same way I had already learned JavaScript. Okay, I mean that's really inspiring. I mean the way you came, uh, you know, basically as from being a chef to VP of engineering now at Splice. Um, I saw your talk. Um, at um, Code Climate recently, you were talking about using data and all that. But I wonder if you could share, uh, what are your biggest challenges? Uh, what are the biggest challenges you face as an engineering leader? Cool. Uh, so I think you, you and I have talked a couple times about this interview, a couple times, which is really yeah. cool. Because every time, every time I have new challenges to tell you about, which is, which is really great. Um, great. I've had two big challenges at, at Splice, I'd say. Um, and, and, I, and I I do mention those in, on, the, on the talk. Uh, so the first one was scaling the team, right? I joined uh, late 2016, uh, a startup of 15 people with about six engineers um, with the original intent of scaling the team not that much. I remember talking to Matt Amenetti, who was my, who was the, the co-founding CTO and, and he, he was, he was my boss at the time, and he was like, look, we, we're, we're not planning on growing super fast. We want to be profitable in the next two quarters. Uh, we're going to take it easy. And at the time, that wasn't as exciting. Like, it was exciting to be in a music company. It wasn't as exciting in a company that wasn't going to grow fast because I had just come from a, from a fast-growing company. But um, I, I, still, I still saw it as a, as a really interesting challenge because it was – we also wanted to build a distributed team. And – I've been building distributed teams for, for a while, so that was that was really exciting to, to be able to do that again. Very, very shortly thereafter, around like a quarter or so, we saw that our business was starting to pick up and our revenue was starting to to, to grow significantly. Um, and so we had we, we found ourselves making the decision on whether we really wanted to take it easy or if we wanted to try to take the opportunity of having a broader impact in music. And so we did. Um, around the, that time, I think we closed a round of $35 million and we were off to the races. So scaling the team was my first really, really tough challenge. I think we grew from six to about 55 engineers in the first 18 months without HR, <laughs> without uh, recruiting uh in a distributed fashion so that was that was impressive that's impressive it was it was fun it was fun um so that was the base the the first biggest challenge we we had at spice um and that i had to kind of figure out so bringing like every three months i had a new job i was bringing in managers first then helping them scale the recruiting operations also onboard people also try to give them context into like all the stuff that we had built um, the the early engineering team at Splice was very prolific, built many many systems, and and we had to like little by little rediscover them. Um, so that was that was fun. 
The second challenge, which is in, in, in what I'm still, I'd probably say not out of the woods yet, but and, and still, it's still a challenge I'm thinking about is how to accelerate the output uh, of my team, right? With without like burning people out, without working weekends and late nights, and doing it as, as a as a like non-sustainable pace or insustainable. Un- is it unsustainable? Unsustainable. Uh, unsustainable pace. So um, the the talk you mentioned covered covered a little bit of that, but. Basically, around June of last year, we were we were slow. Things felt slow. We weren't we weren't being able to to like get work, engineering work out, like completed work fast enough. Uh, and it wasn't because we weren't working hard. It was the 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 processes that we had scaled on top of were no longer working. We had a single staging environment, for example. And that environment worked when we were five people. But when you have 40 engineers trying to stage their work at the same time, and then you want the QA group to, to review the work, or you want product or design to, to give their input on staging, then you have a, a traffic control problem. And that, that slows, that backs up. So biggest challenge over the last eight months at least has been trying to find uh, the, the right way to move the team forward. Um, and I think we've, we've, we've hit a, a good stride lately. So we found, we found some research in a, in a primarily in a book called accelerate, uh, by Nicole, Jean and Jess, I'm going to say, um, we also found uh, a few tools like climate velocity that, that it helped us, understand our cycle time, for example, and it sets some metrics uh, as an engineering organization that we want to target and, and drive, uh, like time to merge or mean time to restore. Um, and just moving moving the, what, 70 plus technology organization forward has been probably the hardest work I've done in, in, in my career in tech, but it's also been very rewarding. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll include a link to that talk. It was, it was really great what you're doing with metrics. Um, so this kind of is a good segue into my next question for you is what is your approach to hiring? I know you have, you had to hire a lot of people, but I know also you're a big advocate of diversity. And so a lot of engineering managers struggle with diversity. I just love to hear your approach to hiring and maybe you can say a little bit about diversity. Sure. Um, so as I joined a, a music company, I think the, my, my biggest fear is always having a team that is not representative of the people who are going to be affected or consume the product. I think that's a big sort of challenge we have in technology. And, and to me, that's the ultimate goal of diversity. It's not, it's not just to have people who, who come from different backgrounds or who look different in, in the room. It's also to get representation in the room, right? Uh, and it, there's there's multiple lines of representation. You have gender, you have race, you have uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, you have many, many things. I, th- I think a, a non-controversial example of the impact um, that having diverse voices in the room is, is uh, what happened at Spice very early on. So, 
Splice was primarily focused towards like EDM and in, in, in electronic music producer. So it's it's not if you know me, I like heavy metal, hardcore punk. So I didn't really okay. relate to the product very early on. Um, but there was one time when I I asked uh, Brett who ran the the music the artist group and I asked him like do we do you know if this band called We Came as Romans uses Splice? And he was like, uh, no, but but I'll check it out. And eventually we found out that this band had been one of the earliest users of Splice. They've been using all of our products, uh, our samples, our like backup, our plugins, and it it gave me a completely different perspective of our product because then I could relate to 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 the same music that I like. And not only that, uh, Kyle uh, became a really big advocate of of Splice. Uh, and Kyle was there, who was their their vocalist. Uh, he and he, they, they were going to record a pack with us. They were like they spoke to our investors and why, uh, like Splice wasn't necessarily tailored towards electronic music. So that that was huge impact. And if I wouldn't have been in the room, that that would have never happened. Um, so that's a little bit on why like why I care about the versus across all the board. Right? It, it's an example that's not necessarily around identity. Um, now, I wanted a team that could represent in the product, in the technology, as much as much as I could, and and that's that's why, to me, at least, diversity inclusion uh, matters. Of course, then you have all the uh, diverse teams have better business outcomes and all those things, which are which are which are real. But the reason why I care is because of representation. Um, Totally makes sense. Yes, in your industry, uh, especially, yeah. especially. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about like hiring and your approach to just like hiring? I, I think you have a pretty good process for that, and you had to hire a lot of people quickly and, and all that. Right. Yeah, I was I was about to, to jump into that. So the the challenge of, of, of then trying to build uh, an engineering team that was broadly representative representative um was was pretty fun and, and we we did it in a couple of ways so the first the first thing we did was we designed a a hiring process that could remove as much bias as possible so uh take home tests with a very specific rubric instead of whiteboarding or like real-time challenges where some people may not be as comfortable as as, as others right like uh, if, if, if English is not your native speaking language, then you're already like a step behind if you wanted to to like do a, a, an interview, a whiteboarding interview. Or there's a, there's a, there's a few of those of these kind of So makes sense. I, I don't I don't think there's any perfect interview process, but, uh, but we try to like at least focus mostly on the things that we we wanted to filter out or in. Uh, so we had. We made sure that all interviews were um, pairs, so we always would get perspective, like two perspectives of the same data point. Um, and we started making sure that we wouldn't necessarily only look for people who are who are looking for a job, right? The the biggest challenge when you talk about like the pipeline. Um, It it takes a lot of effort from engineering managers and and sort of like engineering executives 
to go and look out for the people who you want to work with and convince them not only that this is a good opportunity, but this is a safe space or a good place to work, right? That they will have the support to advance, to have input in the product, to have it like to, 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 to actually be impactful in, in that taking, um, taking the risk of leaving their current job and joining another company is worth it. And that doesn't happen in job postings. You cannot communicate that in job postings. And you can't necessarily communicate communicate that through recruiters, which is why the first 35 folks who joined Slice um, were directly, I think I was involved, I was directly involved in first 30 folks, if I'm not wrong. Um, and then next 20 or something were, were, were my managers. Um, but that was that was the job, right? It was my role as a, as a, as a head of engineering was to, to do this diversity advocate work to convince people, like convincing the first woman that they should take a step to join a team that was primarily men um, was my responsibility. And it was my responsibility to ensure that, 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 that they would feel comfortable and not only comfortable, that they would have a huge impact on the team. And they would be, they would just, they would be software engineers who would just happen to be Hispanic or non-male or like, but they would be software engineers. And that was their primary role. They, they weren't here to, to like be diversity advocates as well. That had um, a pretty good effect. And I think there was, I don't know, there was a, a tweet around the time when we were hiring. Someone said like, I don't know what Splice or Microsoft are doing, but it seems that they're doing things right, bringing the right people in. And that signaled, that was a good signal that we were, that we were creating the right space for, for, for very talented engineers to thrive and to join us. And it just created a, a cycle, right? Um, I like saying that hiring teams is a little bit like building a credit score. Um, if you don't have a credit, like a good credit, and it's really hard for you to get a loan, and there's this cycle, especially as an immigrant, when you come in, you're like 24 and you try to get a credit card. It's like, oh, well, you don't have a credit score. Like, but how, how do I get a credit score? Like, well, you need a credit card. Like, okay. So it's like, how are you going to help me? Um, especially in like in the financial crisis, like you can not even get sponsored credit cards. So it's, it's a nightmare. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how I relate. Uh, but in this case, I loaned my credit to my team. It was like I, I, I had some I've, I've had uh, already like the work that I've done through open source communities and building communities in Latin America had already gave, given me some credibility around building building teams and, and, and building good collaborative spaces. So I allowed to loan the company some of that credibility and bring folks uh, in my network who were also identified as, as folks uh, who were um, not only great engineers, but also good advocates for, for people. That's a great analogy and a great insight. Um, but yeah, you have to make it a place that's the people will want to come and they'll know they'll be successful if they come there, right? They're not just, uh, you know, yes, they're diverse hires, but is this a place where they can succeed, you know, and be set right. up for success? So I think that's, that's awesome. Um, I want to move to another topic. Could you share your advice 
uh, for managers who are just starting out? Managers who are just starting out, yes. So, like new managers. New managers. If I were a new manager again, I would really, really want to understand that the context in, in which organizations establish processes or whatever matters a lot more than you think, right? So like me telling you how I built a team of 50 engineers doesn't necessarily apply to your company the same way because you may be in a different industry, you may be in a different city, you may have like different financial requirements. And we have this tendency in the tech industry to like, oh, like this big company did this, so I'm going to do it. And we ignore the context, right? Like an example, I heard from like a startup not so long ago, like three years ago. I had a had a new manager who said like, look, my boss, uh, I have a brand new VP of engineering, and he says that we need to move to a mono repo because Facebook has one. Okay. And, uh, and, and I asked him, okay, cool. Do you have the same budget to manage the mono repo in the same way as Facebook, as Facebook does? Like, no, of course not. Then, then that is that is one reason why not to do it, right? Um, that happens across the board. So we, it's really great that we are embracing engineering management uh, as an industry. Finally, I think there's been a, a turnover over the past few years. We moved from like really aggressive holacracy and we don't need bosses and all these things to uh, oh like management is important management matters uh, and we have great books like Camille's uh, the manager's path and I think Lara Hogan is just about to publish uh, resilient management and we have we have a few like really really good books that are not necessarily just engineering management books but just great management books um, but what we need to understand with with, with all this is that the context matters a lot. How much support you have, how big your organization is, how much time do you really have to implement all these process changes or not. Um, it's important. Also, your ability to communicate matters a lot, right? There's some people who are really, really good at running one-on-ones. There's some people who aren't. And then we need to find tools or find, find different um, avenues to sort of enhance ourselves uh, to become great managers. That would be my advice. I think that's great. I was thinking of this concept of cargo, the cargo culting, you know, where people copy things without understanding yes. the reason why uh, when you were describing that example. Um, time management is a huge issue for engineering managers, I find. You know, like there's so many things to do. Uh, so many demands. So I just, if you could share, what is your workday like and how do you manage like your time, meetings, emails, all the stuff you've got to do? Cool. Yes. Time management is, is a thing. Um, my, my calendar changes about every three months. I refactor. I, I do refactor my calendar. Um, and I try to do it in, sorry, I try to organize my time in themes so at the moment, Mondays, every, so all my teams run iterations at the same time. They're all synchronized. Uh, they didn't, they weren't used, they didn't used to be, but now they are. 
we, we got to this sort of like stage as a, as a, as a company where I didn't know when my teams were doing what. Mm. So it became hard for me to hard for me and hard for the organization to understand this. Um, so we chose to, to synchronize and we did that at the beginning of the year and it made my organization a lot more observable, for example. And now my, so my calendar is organized a little bit around that schedule. Um, Mondays teams start their, their iterations and that those Mondays that they start iterations, I have a pretty clear Monday, but the other Monday we do product reviews. So chief product officer, VP of product, myself, we meet with uh, the leadership of all the product teams and we try to understand, like it's a little bit, it's a mix of strategy and execution meeting. So we try to understand what their challenges are, what decisions they need made, try, try, try and turn block. That is the, the sort of the theme of, of those of those days. Tuesdays is executive day. Have two hour executive meeting. I have a technology exec meeting with some of my peers um, and CEO, just like, and also some product office hours. Wednesdays is no meeting Wednesdays for the entire engineering organization. We block our calendar, we protect our focus. Um, it's not like forbidden to meet, but we encourage to like protect focus there. So I also, I, I do tend to take meetings outside, uh, outside of spice at the time. Thursdays and Fridays it becomes one-on-one -on -one days. Um, so that's, that's, those are the days where I, where I, where I meet with, with, uh, my reports for an hour or so to try to make sure, uh, I can block them. I can support them. I've, I've little by little as, as I've scaled the organization, I have gone, I've had to move from being a person that actively supports his reports to a person that is supported by his reports. Like, like doing that flip. Because now I push work down rather than uh, rather than when I was an engineering manager and I was like there for my team. Now my team is it's here for me. Like I, I just push work on them, and, and there it's 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 a change. It's a it's a different dynamic. Um, <clears throat> that's that's a little bit about how my how my schedule goes. I start my days with my email. I end my days with my email. I also I don't look at that much code anymore, but I do get involved in some code reviews and some pull requests uh, uh, that that are ongoing. Uh, mostly the ones that are controversial. And then what else? Say, probably the most important meeting I run is my engineering leadership meeting, where I have engineering managers, my engineering director of production engineering. And the software architecture group, and we meet every week uh, to to evaluate our challenges as an organization to to see what we can move forward. That one is, is a is probably also my favorite meeting. Yeah, it's it's like my staff meeting, but but I also have I have I season leadership as well, um, so it's pretty cool. That's great. Thanks for sharing that detail about how you you know break things out into these themes and and days. <clears throat> Could you share? Uh, moving on, uh, a personal habit that you feel uh, contributes to your success. I'm terrible at habits. I'm terrible. I really am. And especially like now that I just traveled, my habits get destroyed. Like I, I built these routines when I'm here in New York. 
Mm-hmm. I built these routines when I'm here in New York. And anytime I travel, they all just break down. Uh, so I wouldn't say, I'd probably say that the habit of disagreeing with authority <laughs> mm, yeah, has, mentioned this. has helped, right? Like being, yeah. being very punk has helped me. It's also gotten me okay. into a lot of trouble. But I would say that the habit of not taking authority for granted uh, has probably helped me the most. All right. That's great. Could you share an internet resource or tool uh, or app, you know, something that you can't live without, you know, that helps you at work? I recruited a, a really large amount of my team through Twitter. So I'm going to say Twitter is right up there. Um, okay. But let's see. I think in the past when we've talked about this, I've, I've never been able to even come up with one. Um, okay. Yes. Notion. Notion. Notion yes. right now. Notion. Notion is a tool I cannot live without now. It's uh, it's great for organizing notes. Uh, I can write my notes, my talks, my outlines, my meetings in, in Notion and Markdown. I run all my meeting agendas in Notion. I have I have a, a separate board for every one of my one on ones. Um, so the the day before, people throw in items into those boards, and then we catch up on them during our meeting. So it's yeah, I'd say Notion. All right, that's great. I'll, I'll have to try it out. And yes, I know Twitter. You're huge on Twitter. You have a big following on Twitter. So, um, all right. You spent too much if time. You on already mentioned. <laughs> if um, you kind of mentioned some earlier, but if you could recommend just one book to managers, what would it be and why? Now I'm going to recommend two. Yes, I did. I did mention one, but I'm going to recommend two. First one is Manager's Path sure. by Camille Fournier. And um, the second one is Accelerate by Nicole, Jean, and Jess. All right. Last, last real question here. What is your approach to mentoring and coaching members of your team? All right. Um, I try to stay away from mentorship unless explicitly requested because um, my team, for example, is almost half, almost half of my team are not men. Uh, and, and I think like mentorship in that scenario when I haven't lived their experiences gets a little bit tricky. So I'm a, a little bit more of a fan of sponsorship, giving them tools, giving them opportunities, giving them, um, and when explicitly requested advice, than advice or, 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 or feedback. Um, but I'm more of a fan of throwing people into the deep end of the pool and making sure that they won't drown, right? So uh, I think many of my reports will tell you that I'm not as hands-on, but I'm a little bit more hands-off. I'm like, look, here's a big problem, ambiguous and all, uh, that I know you can solve. So here you go. Tell me how you're gonna do it. and. The, the one thing that you should know is that I'm not, I'm not going to let you fail, right? If, if, if we fail, I fail. Um, but if we succeed, then it was, and you succeeded. 
that's fine, right? Um, that's that's a that tends to be my approach. Um, for coaching, if we talk a little bit more about coaching, then uh, helping people think through challenges or thinking through um, how to approach or how to connect people, then that's that's good. I, I like to tell my team that. I probably don't know how to solve their problem, but I definitely know someone who has already solved it and I connect them with it. And I think my best tool as an engineering leader has been the network I've built because I can always put people in touch uh, with someone who has had to scale databases to ridiculous sizes in production or to someone who has had to, um, I don't know, a security incident. Like, I, I can probably connect my team with anyone they need. All right. Juan Pablo, you have been super generous with your time. I, I really appreciate it. You, you've been awesome. Uh, the, a lot of the stuff you shared, I think, is people are going to find like super, super valuable. Um, so I want to thank you for that. And maybe could you just share at the end, like, where could people go to learn more about you if they want to like follow you or, you know, just learn more about your stuff? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Buretica. Uh, and also my website is B-U-R-I dot, no, what? It's B-U-R-I-T-I dot C-A. It's my last name. Uh, it's an indigenous Colombian last name, which is hard to pronounce in Spanish and in English, but I love it. Um, yeah, well, I, I'd say a lot of stupid stuff online. Sometimes something that's worth it. So if you, you want to hear that out then, follow me on Twitter. Thank you. Will do. Thank you again so much. Really appreciate it.